Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is John 20. I've got good news, everybody. Jesus is alive. Does that get you excited? It really should. And if we think about those things, um, maybe as a Christian on Easter Sunday, you you feel extra excited, right? With uh, People are saying, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, we should be excited about the resurrection every week. In fact, that's, that's why churches began to meet on Sunday. It was the Lord's day to commemorate his resurrection from the dead on the first day of the week. And honestly, you should be excited every day that Jesus is alive. And often I think we lose sight of that because it is one of the core facts of the gospel. And because it is, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, uh, something that is very familiar, uh, you you know, as the old saying goes, familiarity brings contempt. And I certainly don't hope you don't have contempt for the resurrection, but familiarity sometimes can breed uh, a lethargy too, where we're not as excited about something as we once were. Well, we should never lose our excitement for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has defeated death. He has overcome the grave. Our hope is pinned to the resurrection. What we read about today is of monumental consequence as we read about the resurrection in John 20. And I want to highlight, so we look at John 20, two main things. One and first is really our response to the resurrection and some of the effects that should have in our life. And two, as we've seen with every gospel towards the end, there is a sense of commissioning and what is our mission. And I want to highlight these things as we look at John 20, but let's begin with the account of the resurrection itself. It says now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, this is kind of just one of my favorite nuggets here in the gospel of John. I'm Pretty confident that that other disciple was the Apostle John who doesn't identify himself. He's calling himself the other disciple or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And even when he uses that title, I don't think it's as a badge of honor in a way of, yeah, I'm the one who Jesus loved. I think it's more has a sense of humble wonder, like I'm the one who Jesus loved. Um, And so just a a fun note here that while John is uh, humble enough to not identify himself. He's not so humble as to um, not include in the biblical text that he outran Peter. So that's just a fun little nugget. But here you see Mary at first is confused, saying that she thinks that they have taken the Lord's body. They have moved him somewhere else. But Peter and John run to the tomb and they see, and it says uh, the other disciple, and this is John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and believed. Um, For as yet, they didn't understand the scripture. So now it's okay. 
It's making sense to me now what the scriptures say and what Jesus said about his resurrection. And then you see this beautiful moment where Mary is weeping outside the tomb and the angels speak to her. And then Jesus himself shows up and reveals himself to her. And this is one of those things, again, it's a very familiar story. If you're a Christian, you know about the resurrection of Jesus. But again, just put yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute. So clear that Mary loved Jesus, was thankful for what he had done in her life, was one of his followers. And yet, imagine the heartbreak then that Jesus not only has been killed, but that now something has been done to his body. And that heartbreak turns to wonder and joy and affection and worship. And that's what I mean by I want to highlight our response to the resurrection, because as we read this passage, I want us to feel those things. I want us to to feel and at least to imagine the heartbreak that they must have felt at the crucifixion, but then imagine the wonder and the amazement that Jesus is alive, because that's a wonder and an amazement that we should still have. Um, And even as we think back earlier in John, in that upper room discourse, the last night of Jesus's life, he tells them about the resurrection and how the resurrection will bring a joy that no one will be able to take away. Uh, There is a joy that should come for us from the resurrection and a peace. Later, when Jesus appears to his disciples, the first thing he says to them is peace be with you. And he repeats it again, peace be with you. And when he shows up a week later, he says, peace be with you. So we should have joy and we should have peace in the reality of a risen Savior. We should have those things. Do you have those things today? Uh, and, And that's where if you don't, then it's not, well, find some way to conjure up joy and peace today. No, meditate on the resurrection today then. And I think the inevitable result will be you will have joy and you will have peace. Your Savior is alive and he's alive forevermore. And everything that he said is true and you can count on it and you know it because he rose again. And someday you will rise again. If your hope is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life will hope confirmed because he rose from the dead. If your hope is that he is the bread of life and he will satisfy and those who believe in him will will never die and he will uh, save them all on the last day, then your hope is confirmed because of the resurrection. And so I, that should give you joy and peace, no matter what is, what else is going on in your life today. There should be a joy and a peace that come from um, the resurrection of Jesus. But then as we see him talk to his disciples, we start to get a sense of the commission. And he says in verse 22 and 23, well, I guess going back to verse 21, he says, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So there we see he sends the disciples and we think of Matthew and the Great Commission and we realize that sending, I think now is transferred all the way down through the church to Christians today. We are sent into the world to make disciples. We are to be witnesses for Christ. And it begs the question there, what is verse 23 talking about? 
If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What does that mean? Does that mean I can go out to lunch today and look at one table and say, your sins are forgiven. And then look at the table next to them and say, oh, forgiveness is withheld. And I just have magical power to forgive sins or to withhold sins. Or is that something that was transferred to the apostles and the church or something like that? I think a simpler way to understand what that means is when you proclaim the gospel, you are making a real offer of forgiveness. And because the Bible is clear, you can help make clear what forgiveness will look like and what is not forgiveness, right? If you declare the gospel to somebody and they turn from their sins and put their faith in Christ, you can uh, tell them their sins are forgiven in Christ. And if you share the gospel with somebody and they say, no, I'm not buying that. I'm not turning from my sin. I'm not putting my faith in Christ. Well, then you can tell them, well, then forgiveness is withheld from you. It's not that now magically in the church, we have authority to forgive sins or withhold forgiveness from people's sins, but we have through the gospel, the authority to declare uh, where, where forgiveness is and where it's not based on the Bible. I think that's how we should understand that. And we should feel uh, the urgency of that sending uh, that we have work to do. We have a mission to do. Um, and we don't have the benefit of the risen Christ. But then we see the famous story of Jesus and Thomas, but notice how he ends that section. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so we can't say, hey, look, here's Jesus right here. Touch his side, touch his hands, see him. We, we don't have that. And there's a blessing that comes to those of us who have believed without seeing. But what do we have? Well, we have the word of God. And that really leads us perfectly to the end of this chapter where John tells us the purpose of the book. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You don't have Jesus in the flesh to show people, but you know what you do have? You do have the gospel of John. And the whole point of the gospel of John is to get people to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that then by believing they would have life, right? Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. John 1, in him was light and the light was the life of men. True life is only going to be found in Jesus. So one takeaway from this chapter, as you think about the, the wonder and the effects the resurrection should have on us, and we think about then our mission um, of proclaiming this message that leads to the forgiveness of sins, one thing I would encourage you is think about using the gospel of John. And if there's someone in your life that you're trying to share the gospel with, one great thing to do would be, hey, why don't we read through the gospel of John together and give them a Bible and show them where the gospel of John is and invite them to read through that with you. Because the whole point of this book is to help people believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. And as we close up this chapter, let's remember that life is only possible because of the life of Christ. That life in Jesus is only possible because he rose again. And I hope we are filled with fresh wonder and amazement and joy and peace as we have considered that today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.